Welcome to the podcast Bench Talk. I'm Joe Hildish, High Sheriff of Herefordshire. In my podcast today, I'm talking to Quentin Letts, Herefordshire's renowned satirical political commentator and theatre critic. Usually on this podcast, I'm talking to people who are highly involved in the voluntary sector, but today I'm talking to someone who's more of an entertainer. Those who read his writing in The Times or in his book will know how he rails against the nanny state, but is very involved with his local church and a big supporter of theatre. Today we'll have more of a focus on his views on life in Herefordshire and perhaps what the future holds for the county. Bench talk today comes from a pew at Howe Capel Church in South Herefordshire. Not too much rain, sound of the peacocks, don't know if his dog will bark and some people <laughs> chatting away in the churchyard beyond. So hello Quentin. Hello Joe. welcome to Howe Capel. It's lovely, what a beautiful church. Have you, have you lived here forever, or what brought you to our beautiful county? We moved here in 2002, having previously been in Gloucestershire. I was born in Cirencester, and we had a small cottage in the Cotswolds, but it became too small. My wife kept having babies, so we <laughs> uh, needed something bigger and uh, had in-laws in Horwithy, and I went, went to prep school at the Elms in Cole, yeah. so Herefordshire was a place I knew, and therefore we moved here and the children uh, were educated. Our children, our three children, were educated at the Elms. So how has it worked in the last year, I guess, where you've been, I suppose you usually would commute to London on a weekly basis? I'd normally go up on a Monday, yes, and come back on a Thursday. And it's it's been a grotty year, hasn't it? A dreadful year. <laughs> Absolutely grotty. And but, you see it through a different lens, do you think? Well, I haven't worked from home all the time. I have kept, I did keep going up to London a bit because sketch writers were uh, uh, classified as essential workers funnily enough <laughs> uh, um, uh, and uh, we were there needed to, uh, to try to inform our public about the great goings on in Parliament uh, although Parliament itself was completely denuded and decrepit really and a hopeless uh, reaction from Parliament to this coronavirus yes, anyway what should they have done well they should have kept going I think yeah. they should have shown leadership and they should have been much more uh, brave about it, but there was a. But I suppose they all got COVID in the beginning, and they were running scared. They were running scared. Yeah, yeah. the whole country uh, therefore looked at that and thought, oh, well, we have to be scared as well. I'm afraid there has been, I would see it as a as a bad moral failure, uh, by by our leadership, and uh, also I'm afraid by a lot of our citizens. Uh, this isn't to say that coronavirus has not been a terrible thing and has killed terrible numbers of people, but. I think we could have been much braver as a civilization. Mm. I mean, I certainly felt like I needed to be braver because other people were so frightened. So I was constantly trying to enthuse people to get out. And people were frightened because uh, people were frightened because they worried about their own safety, of course. But also, the government took active steps to frighten people and to ramp up the levels of fear. I am not a COVID denier, and I am completely sympathetic with people who wanted to shield. But I do think that we overreacted. But, you know, people may disagree, but I just hope that it's, it's allowed. These things can be said, I think, mm. now. Whereas mm. at the time there was a, a great fervour in the air, which meant that certain things could not be said this time last year. It was depressing the way that that pressure to conform came about. Mm. But I think we're, we are getting back there now, aren't we? We are. Yeah, let's be more, let's be more optimistic. Let's be positive. Let's stop the whinging. <laughs> And being bossed around. Yeah, well, I can't bear that. <laughs> so have you been back into the theatre yet? Well, the theatre did revive briefly from about September to December. Uh, the last theatre I went to was the Theatre Royal Haymarket and saw a play, Love Letters, 
and that was start of December. Then the third lockdown, was it, came in and theatres were clobbered again. Theatres have had a really awful year. Dreadful. And Will the they arts, survive? The arts sector. Some theatres won't survive. Yeah. The arts sector has been really dreadfully affected. Uh, music has been really badly whacked. And uh, you really, you know, you just grieve for the mm. freelancers in, in mm. the sector who've lost not only their livelihoods, but they've also lost their vocation and their sense of self-expression. And this is what's been dreadful about it. For an actor, acting is not just a, a job. Mm. It's a, it, it's, it's it's a being, mm. and that hasn't happened. Have you got some theatre booked up? I've got some booked up. I'm going to the Mousetrap to start on Monday. I thought, well, with theatres reopening, it'd be fun to go to the longest-running show Great. You know, in, in the Western world. Great. So we're going, I'm going I think to... I saw it about 25 years ago. I saw it about 25 <laughs> years ago as well. My, my parents saw it on their wedding night in 1954. It? Wow. And it's been... It had a break, didn't it? Yeah, a different... No, it hasn't had a break. It hasn't had a break Apart from coronavirus, but different cast, yeah. I think it's important to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame if it But I suspect some way. of the props are probably the same. But what about local theatre around here? Well, it's... it's um, there is some. There isn't that much... Not as much as in, in London or in Warwickshire, say, or Birmingham, but uh, there's the, the courtyard at Hereford. Yeah. The valiant, the valiant courtyard, which tries its best and is essential artistic presence for our city and our community. And then I know I'm not allowed to mention Malvern because that's in Worcestershire, but the Malvern theatres do keep going and get quite good shows. And it's useful for people to have yeah. that and to be able to get some real theatre. And you go down to Bath, that's not too far away as well. Yeah. The Bath Theatre Royal. So there is some around. I think there's a, I think there's quite an acting community in Hereford actually, and based around the courtyard, I think there's a good youth theatre there. So there is the Panto every year, and which you've reviewed before. I have, which is the Panto's tremendous sort of community effort and community involvement, and it's so good for uh, communities to have that sort of uh, that that space where you know you can take your children and they can hear local local references in the in a rather corny script. It's great. Do you think we've noticed people becoming more public-spirited, at least, during the last year? I think this has actually been happening possibly before coronavirus, but there has been a rise, I think, in regional pride and in county pride a bit. People are much more aware, I think, of, of their county now than they were perhaps in the 1980s. Certainly, I, I, I get the impression that people are really proud. Around, around Ross, people, there's a great community mm. spirit in Ross, and people know about... Uh, people you know, support um, Ross events and Ross charities. People support Ross Cricket Club, Ross Rugby Club. And it's the same in Ledbury. Around here we've got um, Brockhampton Cricket Club. And these local engines of community are tremendously important and they're worth keeping mm. going because they make life so much more enjoyable. So do you, do you get very involved? I mean, Not really. I'm, I'm lazy swine. Try to your support. church or you get involved with this church? I'm, I get involved with this church. I'm, I'm playing cricket tomorrow for Woolhope Seconds. My first. Only the seconds? Oh dear. What do you mean only the seconds? <laughs> I'm pretty proud to have made the seconds. Uh, well I, I uh, haven't played cricket for 20 years so it's my first outing. <laughs> I'll probably pull a muscle. But I get involved a bit in the church here, yes. And uh, Brockhampton Cricket Club, I go along and I, I drink very enthusiastically. Yes, that's always a good part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Bar taking is essential for prosperity. And you, I think you were part of the PCC here for a while. I well, was part of the uh, parochial. What happened there? Church council here. And my wife is organist here at Howe Cable. But I'm afraid I had a falling out uh, with the Church of England. Not with the PCC. I didn't have a falling out with the Howe Cable Church, but with the Church of England generally over its supine reaction to, uh, to coronavirus 
and uh, so I walked out in a huff from my PCC role, but um, I still come and worship here. They didn't have to close the churches. It was a complete overreaction, and it was dreadful for people not to be able to go to a church and to to reflect and to pray. Part of your soul, isn't it? And the church is meant to be a place where you confront death and where you contemplate death and you examine yourself before the Almighty. And this was denied us. And it, it was uh, it was dreadful. And also the health and safety warnings. And so you so say you must not pick up a prayer book. We had to lock away the prayer books here. Mm. And uh, all the toys. And well, we I don't, don't know if you have a, sun, we have a we Sunday school. We don't have a Sunday school. But uh, we had to you know, rope off the altar. And you weren't even allowed to light a candle. And it was all nonsense. Because Bonkers. people were not going to catch COVID by coming here on their own to uh, have a quiet ponder. And um, there's something about sitting in a church. The archbishop told us we could find God in his kitchen when I couldn't but if I come here and sit surrounded by the the old stones and the smell of the prayer books and the the sheen of the pews and the the residue of the burnt candles and the just the whiff of of history Mm. and uh mortality in the air it really helps me at least Mm to find the almighty and I was denied that and I, I think it was wicked that it's other really people... not the same in your kitchen is it well I don't know your kitchen I'm sure no it's not lovely, and but it's... it's trite to mm. say that we could find it in the archbishop's kitchen because the thing about the church it's meant to be reaching out to people who who don't believe or people like me who have trouble believing I'm afraid the archbishop's kitchen only really worked for real true subscribers of, of, uh, of faith and you know we we should be trying to find people who uh, who doubt. What about the cathedral? Do you? Oh, I love the cathedral. Love the cathedral. I love Hereford Cathedral. is one of the great glories of Western civilization, and uh, there we have it, right on our doorstep. And the dean who recently left was a tremendous man. He did such good work for the county. And if you look at someone like Geraint Bowen, brilliant musician, the head of music, and Peter Dyke, the organist. They are world talents, and we've mm. got them here in Hereford. Yeah, aren't we lucky? And the building, and actually the Magna Carta and the Mappamundi. Yeah, the Chain Library and, and all chain that. Chain Library, but, I mean... But it's just it's the whole majesty of the building, yeah. and also of what goes on inside the building. I'm not just referring to the music, but it was also, again, the soul of the building. You know, the, 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 the vibes you get, and mm. the vibes are uh, tremendously impressive. They are. I don't think we could have an interview without talking about some of your political activity as well, because obviously I've just read your book, which I find most... You mean my goose-stepping, <laughs> Your goose-stepping. <laughs> um, you, you were at the state opening this week. I was. How was that? It was very low-key. It was rather depo- It was rather sort of milky and uh, denuded and diet. It was a diet state opening, because we didn't have a lot of the, the panoply of... Um, all those sort of mincing herberts who come along from the College of Heralds, and we didn't have gold stick in waiting, and we didn't have the um, the full complement of of um, lifeguards, their plumed helmets, and as a result, it was rather well, it was more intimate, I suppose you could say, but it lacked the important sense of theatre, I suppose, and of majesty, and. I I just felt a bit cheated by it. Bit of a swears. About all those um, new Labour front bench guys. I mean, I'm sure, of course, you know them all. I do. Yeah, um, I know them. I don't know. There hasn't been that actually. There hasn't been that much of a change in the Labour front bench. There's been a change of the uh, the shadow chancellor, Rachel Reeves. She sounds a bit like the young Steptoe and Steptoe and Son. <laughs> do you remember? Oh my dear God, you dirty old man. You know she speaks like that, but she's going, she's going to be a more formidable 
Shadow Chancellor, I think. But uh, that means the uh, it's uh, this is something you always hear in politics that the shadow cabinet is full of nobodies. Well, that's because they're in the shadow cabinet and they don't get as much airtime. And when they become the cabinet in due course, if they do, then they will become better known. They will suddenly be see more substantial people. Uh, they're, they're going back, aren't they? 21st of June, is, is, is Parliament going back? Well, Parliament is uh, is back sitting well, at the back moment. Sitting, but it's, no, but it's, I mean it's, it's sort of in its half-cut-price form at the moment. But the 21st of June, they're going to be, they're saying they're going to be back fully and they're going to stop this Zoom politics, yeah. which has been, I suppose it would be better than no politics, the Zoom politics. And it's made me laugh, some of the, uh, the sites we've had, the in- interiors of MPs' homes and the shots up their nostrils and all that sort of stuff. Cause when they don't get the camera quite in the right yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm as bad as the rest of them at, at, uh, at the technology. But uh, it hasn't had that important sense of, of, of circus and hand-on combat mm. that you need in politics. And the reason that the Commons is such a valuable place to our, our society is that it's a place of challenge. And the Parliament hasn't been a place of challenge this last year. And for that challenge to happen, by challenge, I mean yarbury, I mean heckling, and I mean people asking difficult questions. And that hasn't happened you can't really because you can't have, have that down Zoom. Mm. And everything has to be notified in advance. That's what I'm really not enjoying about Zoom, is every conversation can only be two-dimensional. You can never have a kind of joining in of people. So if you're chairing a meeting or something you don't ever get the proper interaction and you lose the spontaneity in parliament it's very important for suddenly somebody to leap up with a sudden question having her having been listened to the debate and then to respond to the the ebb and flow of the debate that's what's that's how debates work and you can't do that in zoom because you have to pre-book your slot it's been a real shame and ministers are made much better ministers by being given a hard time in the commons because it means they have to prepare more because they're worried about looking foolish. The Commons couldn't get back quickly enough. Really needs to get back. Yeah, I did enjoy your portrait of Boris Johnson this week. Boris, Boris Pasha, yeah, the <laughs> Sultan. Yeah, he's he's looking very comfortable at the moment. He is looking very comfortable. It won't last. Very comfortable. Something will go wrong. I mean, he'll step on a on a you know the wrong bit of a rake, and it will come up and smash him in the nose. And that's the way <laughs> of politics. Yes. And all this ridiculous stuff at the moment about how uh, the Labour Party is never going to come back. I just don't buy it. I, I, in in politics, there's, there's always a tomorrow. Certainly you've heard about what's made you rage during COVID. And you're not that keen on the nanny state. But can you, can you tell me what's really made you laugh? Well, the nanny states made me laugh as well. And uh, well, I, suppose, th- yeah. I mean, the, the police's reaction to some of this. The police saw, there was a picture the other day of a, of a march in London where the only person in this march wearing a, uh, a mask was the copper. In the middle of oh, it yes. all, looking a bit... <laughs> a bit brassed off. And the police's behaviour at times has been absurd. They descended on a man who was being on a train in Liverpool somewhere who was not wearing a mask and uh, he was having a, he was coughing too much or something. He was sneezing and everyone was cross with him for spreading, allegedly, these terrible germs. And so they sprayed pepper spray at him. Well, if somebody's sneezing, the worst thing to spray at them, I'd have thought, was pepper. It's been uplifting in some respects to see the reaction of communities to elements of the health service for instance and also to see the way that people have rallied around looked after old neighbours my mother has had who's 86 lives in Lebri, has had help from neighbours in a way that yeah. has really made one you know really grateful and it's just I'm hearing amazing, strengthened one's amazing stories about people really going not just an extra mile but about 20 
and around here we uh, the church here in High Capel we, we we sent out circulars to everyone at the start of this lockdown uh, Anthony Thompson who's the, who's a reader here uh, tremendous effort by him and a couple of others and they they just put out word to the community that if you're in trouble here we are and there were a few people who did get in touch who, who needed help mm. and um, that sense of community has been strengthened I think by by the adversity of, of Covid so that's that's been something a, a good thing to have come out of it. And what about Herefordshire in a broader sense? How, how do you see our, I don't know, medium long term in terms of developing of, I don't know, tourism, the university? Well, the university is going to be great, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's going to bring in, in important new life to the city. I think it's tremendous. The Everyone involved in that, that project, and some people have given a lot of money, um, and some people have given a lot of time to it. I think it's it's going to make a world of difference, not just to the economy of the city, but also to the life and the the intellectual verve of, mm. of Hereford. But what do I think? Mean, Hereford? I haven't got a clue, Joe. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, what can what can I possibly say? A mere inky scribbler to uh, to people who who already know a lot about the, the tourism of this place. But I think perhaps this summer, I hope, is going to be big on numbers because the government's trying to dissuade people from going abroad. It's helping the balance of payments. And I hope that Herefordshire um, tourism businesses prosper because, you know, they've not had an easy time. What about high sheriffs? I know a little bit about the shrievalty. Do you think it's okay? I think it's very good. (laughs) I think you are... I don't just mean you. I think you as a a body and you as your predecessors give a bit of um, encouragement to... Uh, parts of the community who are very glad to have encouragement mm. and you also are uh, an, an outpost of um, of dressing up of, of high wardrobe <laughs> like at times <laughs> I think that's terrific show us a bit of, of your, your your calf muscles when you put on your stockings or whatever no uh, I don't do stockings I know but the men do <laughs> and, 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 and ruffs and collars I think a bit of ceremonial yeah, it's, is it's delicious a bit of colour the only thing I struggled with was I had to say I will well and truly behave at my declaration so I'm doing my best. <laughs> well, you, you always just uh, forget sometimes. Well, as long as you don't see me as a dreebling do-gooder, I don't know where you get some of these words from. They're, they're, they're very well Well, there are a lot of dreebling do-gooders around, aren't there? There are. And they've had a wonderful year, haven't they? The, the, um, the busybodies um, are in clover at the moment, and they're not going to give up lightly. And I think they're going to be a long hangover uh, from COVID, I don't just mean. Uh, I think long COVID is going to have an administrative yeah, effect as well, sure. and there's going to be the, the the people who really enjoyed the sort of COVID marshals. That, that's a horrible slight on all COVID marshals, which I don't mean. But there are some people. It's brought out the old ARP warden spirit of the sort of yes. uh, ARP warden Hodges in Dad's Army. There has been a the bit of that. Guard. Yeah, I just really enjoyed your book about bossiness council culture virtue signaling it's 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 very amusing i just wonder thinking of my children i just wonder about how we should carry on challenging our children about these things and how you get on with your children because i know certainly some of your themes they would definitely find quite difficult what your children would my children would. well you obviously uh, you, you haven't beaten them enough Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no the, my, my my three uh our three you know my wife and i have produced them, and uh, my wife would produce them, and uh, um, they've been terrific. Uh, they've had to put up with a father who uh, wrote for the Daily Telegraph, Daily Mail, and now the Times. They've they've borne this embarrassment manfully. <laughs> I think the young are, are perfectly um, uh, able to listen to arguments and disagree with them if they feel they're wrong, and 
saying, oh, what a relief someone's saying what uh, what we might think too. I think as long as everyone's open to debate, then that's... Well, that's the that's important. important. And that's thing. what's in danger in some of our university campuses. And that's why the we've got to look after free speech. Just coming to my final question, which is your three top tips for Herefordshire, tourism-wise. Well, come to Howe Capel and visit the church and put a few quid in the poor box. So that was the first one. This is a beautiful church. It's It's got the most, uh, you haven't seen inside yet, but it's the most beautiful, intimate, real gem of the Herefordshire countryside, this church. My goodness, it it sits in such an amazing valley. Yeah, you've got uh, Roger Lee's Longhorn cattle just down there, and you've got peacocks around uh, making a terrible racket. But inside, you have a beautiful stained glass window. It's a very intimate church and has often been wrecked and ruined in its uh, in its history but it's still standing and it's in a good state at the moment and people have put a lot of work into it so that'd be my first tip the second tip i would tell people to take a canoe down the y at simmons yacht and um charlie baker who lives just up the way from here the young lad who's got a business uh, and he's a canoe business you can hire canoes and it's good fun uh, you just have to watch the rapids a bit at times uh, but i've done that with our children and it's you see a different Herefordshire from the river. Mm. You see the fields quite differently, and you get a size of, of the grandeur of the hills and the trees in a way that quite often we don't get uh, when we're sitting in our cars. And then third, I'd say, that, that I mean, another church, I suppose, but the cathedral and the area around the cathedral in Hereford, and Church Street, that beautiful street, and also the, the shops of Hereford, and sitting out in the square uh, near the bull uh, in Hereford, sometimes you can feel as though you're sitting in a French market town uh, all you need is a you know a shot of cassis and you're, uh, <laughs> you. you're, uh, you're, you're for you. but um I, I i just think hereford is a is a beautiful town and we are very lucky to have it let's let's spend more money there you were just mentioning earlier something that really had made you laugh i can't remember what it was now the sketch writers are i suppose the licensed jesters of the the parliamentary press corps and we get to go to the great state occasions, state opening of Parliament, but also when visiting dignitaries come. And Pre- Premier Li of China came on a state visit or an official visit, a very big visit, when David Cameron was Prime Minister. And Premier Li w- was giving a press conference with David Cameron alongside him in the Locarno room of the Foreign Office. Grand place, very high ceilings. And the three or four of us sketchwriters were sitting at the front. And the Chinese press corps were sitting across the aisle, all in identical suits. I'm afraid the London press corps are a bit more untidy. And uh, we sketch writers, all, we got a terrible attack. It sometimes can happen of the giggles. <laughs> Just uncontrollable laughter. I love it. And Premier Lee looked down at us. He had, there he was, a, the second most important politician in China. He'd never known journalists laugh because the Chinese journalists <laughs> are a very grim-faced lot. And there was a nasty moment when it could have gone either way. And he looked at us, frowned, and then his frowns disappeared and he smiled. And thereupon, all the Chinese journalists all started laughing as well. Oh, I love and that. it was a lovely moment. There I was with this man, man from the Guardian, man from the Independent, man from the Telegraph, and uh, I was with the Mail at the time. And it was a great relief actually, because I <laughs> was worried we were going to get marched off and uh, locked up. It was too complicated. It was the there, there, it was the interpreter uh, right. uh, who'd set us off. <laughs> <laughs> but just such schoolboy behaviour by us. Lamentable, but it was a lovely moment. We could probably carry on talking all afternoon, but I think we'd better wrap it up. So thank you so much for your time on this rather dreary but very beautiful day. 
Um, I hope you'll keep on writing, I'm sure you will. I have to, it's my, my yeah. living joke. So thank you, Quentin. I seem to have escaped relatively unscathed. Completely. Not, not lampooned, not satirised. I know, I'm getting soft. I know, you are. So don't, don't write anything too mean later, will you? <laughs> thank you for coming. Thank you.